How many know that rain doesn't fall? It's pulled by gravity. That's a scientific fact. Don't take my word for it. Google it. But not now. Rain is pulled. If there was no gravity, rain would float around. And then all the people who didn't like rain would be happy for a while. And then what would start happening? And then, okay, let's just continue this thing. Everything would dry out, and then what? I mean, just we can continue this thing all the way until where everybody dies. Are you with me? So eventually the plants and the, and the, and the grass and the animals, and, and, and then, you know, we just all die. So what am I saying that? Well, God has a ladder rain. Do you believe that or not? And I believe in the same way it needs to be pulled. Come on. So we're going to pull. Is there any pullers in here tonight? I said, is there any pullers in here tonight? So I want to encourage you. What you're going to get out of this tonight is how much you pull. All right? Don't just sit there with the attitude expecting it. All right, now, come on, give it to me. Entertain me. God said, I didn't call you to entertain. I called you to train. I want you to train and help them become the champion church. And training means what? Repetition. Over and over and over and over. Well, I got good news for you tonight. This is a good news. Last night, it was, that's not, you know, just the ones that, that, that everybody's excited to hear, but it'll really help you in life. It'll set you free. Amen? Everybody say this. Say, I'm well on my way. To becoming who I already am. Now you need to chew on that for a little bit. So you got if that doesn't do anything for you, who are you? Who are you? Who? What does the Bible say you are? Who does the Bible say? What does the Bible say you have? Bible says you're in Christ. You're in Him, and you can have and be all these people. So when you got born again, you already have it. Well, where is it? Well, we're well on our way. Amen. So God wanted me to start this out, and I'm going I'm to try to say it like he showed it to me, how I'm going to start this out. He said there are people that believe and have made decisions and choices that have directed their lives to where they're at and, and believe that because of the wrong decisions and choices and lifestyle that they've lost a lot and can't get it back. He said, I want you to tell them that it is not as bad as they think it is and I will make it better than it was before. Now some of you are going, no, it's too late. I'm this age, I'm this. No, I'm going to show it to you in the scriptures where he will make it better. So how, so you can sit there and think about how bad I've blown it. And God says, it's not that bad. And he's in covenant and still has some of your possessions waiting to give them for you, laid up. And not only that, even better than you can even. I know, but I blew it when I did this and my kids and whatever. God will make it even better. 
Now, how many believe that? Do you truly, truly believe he can do that? Now, do you think we have a part to play in this? Or are we just going to sit there and go, all right, God, make it. Go on, God. Just go on. Fall on me and do it. But we've got a part to play in it. And it's an easy part. But it's part of covenant. And if you know anything about covenant, it's two parts. God is a planner and he has a plan. How many believe this? He has a plan for every man and every woman. You believe it? No, no, no. Already planned out. Okay, good. I'm glad you you believe that. How many believe that he also has a plan for every meeting? So he has a plan and has had a plan before the beginning of time for this meeting on this night in this church on this property before years and years before God had a plan. He knew everybody who would be here. Right? Isn't that cool? So he has a plan. Well, how come we miss some of these plans? Well, we seek God for the plan. You know, we don't seek the plan, but we seek him. And if us ministers will spend time seeking God, he'll show us the plan. And so he showed me the plan for today. And I'm telling you, it's such good news because he's such a good, good father. And he is the planner. And he gave us a book, The Bible is a Plan. How many know it's good to have a plan? When you're a child, you don't have a plan. All you care about is playing and having fun and eating and sleeping and birthdays and Christmas. That's it. Then all of a sudden, you grow up. And somewhere in high school, a counselor or somebody says, what's your plan? What do you mean, plan? And all of a sudden, that becomes real, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness. You, well, what's your plan after school? What's your plan? What are you going to do? You're going to work? You're going to go to school? You're gonna, you better start getting a plan. And all these adults start talking to you about a plan. And so how many know that you, your successive rate increases when you have a plan? I had a team that, um, and I've shared this before, and I don't know, and it's been there for a while, there's a producer in Hollywood that's got the, the rights to this script. And I had to fly out there and give it to him and wrote it down. I don't know if it'll ever be. It's been years now. And it doesn't matter. I don't care if it becomes a movie as long as Tom Cruise plays me. Or The Rock. I said The Rock would be fine. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But I had this team. And this team had never won championships or anything. It was a high school small school. People asked me, did you like coaching pro, college, or high school? I said, I loved high school better than all of them. You know, because you're not dealing with egos and finances and salaries and things like that. And um, I got this job and, and uh, you know, it was interesting because when I got it, the, the superintendent said, well, good luck because you're going to have to rebuild. And I said, well, what do you mean rebuild? He said, well, you're taking over a, a group of boys' baseball team. You know, it takes nine to play baseball. You want more than that, but it was that small. Uh, eight of them were seniors, so they're graduated. And the, the, the last one who was going to be a senior, he moved. So you have nobody who has any experience whatsoever. And I said, well, nothing against you, sir, but I don't believe in rebuilding. We'll win. We'll win. I'm going to brainwash them. 
I'll find nine and we'll win. I wish I would have never said that because I ended up with 11. I end up, and, and I mean I worked these kids, and I never had a group that were so wholehearted, not half-hearted, wholehearted. They'd do anything. I mean, I had other coaches go, I believe that if you told them to run through that brick wall, they'd run through it. They'd probably try. And that's how wholehearted they were. But the thing about it was they weren't very big. I didn't have, and you know, when you inherit uniforms, you don't get all XL. You don't, you don't get all small uniforms. You get some small, some medium, some larges and extra larges. Well, all of them were smalls, extra smalls. We didn't intimidate anybody when we came off a bus. We looked like a bunch of bat boys coming off the bus. And so grandmas and moms had to, you know, take them in and, t- and the hats went over their ears. And so I nicknamed them the Smurfs, not because they were blue, because they were short. And I remember driving the bus one time, I promise you, I, I was driving, you know, when you're coaching high school, you do everything. You're the bus driver, you're everything. And you got that mirror where you can see in the back. Well, I thought I left them all. <laughs> and I hit a bump. And then I saw the little hats pop up. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but that should have been in the movie if it does come up. So I'm taking these Smurfs now. Oh, I love them. We meet up. And I'm going to go ahead and kind of tell you the end of the results of these guys. They hadn't, we never won there. And now to this day, that school has won over 32 state championships. And USA Today called it top three in the nation of the winningest high school programs ever. And it started with these Smurfs. So I'm taking these Smurfs to a game. Right? Just believing and using my faith they're on the bus. Just stay with me. Some of this will be Hollywood. All right, no. We pull in there, and it's a tournament. Games are being played. So there's a game before us, and then we're the next game. I noticed that all the scouts were there. And that was rare, because I was scouted and could have signed professional out of high school, went to college instead. But not only some of the scouts, all the scouts were there. So I get off the bus, and my assistant coach, who was the math teacher, who didn't want to be there, but he was good with numbers. And I had him get all the Smurfs and just kind of sit over here and wait. I'm going to find out what all the scouts are here for. So I go, and I asked him, I said, what do you got? All of you guys are here. He said, yeah. And then I started looking around, and I could, I could see that the cross-checkers were there. Now, let me teach you something about cross-checkers. In Major League Baseball, there's a thing, there's a, there's a, a job or a person called a cross-checker. He's from the front office. He's got a <laughs> briefcase with him with uh, contracts in there and possibly blank checks that he could write for millions of dollars. And, and the reason why a cross-checker comes is because the draft is just days away. And they have sent them down there because there's a first-round draft pick, and even if they don't have it, they're going to try it. If they want this guy, they're going to negotiate with other teams to make a trade to get that draft pick. Well, every cross-checker was there. I had talked to some other scouts. They said, we've never seen this. I said, I've never seen it. But they're at that game. And uh, I said, well, why are they here? They said, well, haven't you heard so-and-so, this pitcher, is pitching today. 
And the draft is in three days. And he is projected to go number one. Chicago Cubs had the number one pick that year. And this guy was projected to go number one, hands down. Throughout the whole, throughout the whole world, he's number one. He's pitching that day. All the cross-checkers are there. All right, and they got their guns, their radar guns, not their, just their radar guns. Just see how fast he throws. And they said, he's going to sign for millions of dollars. I'm not talking about his salary. I'm talking about his signing bonus. He's going to get a one check for millions of dollars. He said probably the minimum he's going to sign for is $10 million. This is how good this guy is. And as a matter of fact, he had never lost up to that day. Never lost in his life. Through high 90s in the high school. Was flirting with 100 miles an hour. Six foot six, big guy, just... And we were, you know, so already, you know, I mean, this dude never lost. Well, he went on and signed. I'll just kind of give you a little bit down the road and come back. And he played an amazing, had an amazing career, maybe headed to the Hall of Fame. But um, he was on several uh, National League All-Stars, and I think he pitched in two World Series. He, he owns two World Series right so this guy is at this point in his life in high school. So they're all there, and they said, that, that scout said to me, how hard he throws today is going to determine how many millions he signs for. So he's not, all he's really concentrating in on is how fast he can throw and light up those radar guns and try to hit 100 miles an hour. And he said, oh, by the way, he's pitching against you guys. And I went, why? We're short. He said, good luck. He never lost. Well, I never in my life ever went into a contest thinking I couldn't win. My dad just raised me that way. Had coaches raise me that way. Never go in there. Well, this guy never lost. And high school guys aren't, they're, they're not trained to hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. They're just not trained to do it. The stimulus response and the reaction times and all of that. So I'm walking, God, and I'm just, man, if I don't have a plan, everybody say plan. plan. If I don't have some kind of plan, we ain't, got, we ain't got a chance. And I'm walking, and all of a sudden it hit me. And I don't know if it was from God or me or whatever. But the plan dropped down in me. And I mean, I got excited. And I said, that's it, that's it, that's it. We're going to be the first ones that beat this guy. This is going to be the greatest victory in the history of this school and maybe the state. And so I peek around the bus to see if the Smurfs were there, and they were. And I knew that they had to see me excited. And I was excited. And I could tell that they had already heard the news. So I come around that bus. Woo! Man! They're all looking at me like, what have you been taking? What drugs or alcohol? Because they had already heard. I said, you guys here who were, who's throwing against us? And they all heard. They shook their head. I said, guys, we have, oh, I wouldn't want to be here anywhere, anywhere on the earth than right here. I'm so excited, I can't even hardly tell you. They're still looking at me like, 
I said, you guys, we're going to, today is going to be the greatest victory in the history of this school. And out of all those state championships and all those gold trophies, when you go down that hallway, they have a picture of that. That's the greatest victory that they ever had. And I'm telling it to you and sharing it to you with that right now. Because this started everything. And so, I, they're like, what are you talking about? I said, I just talked to the cross-checkers. I just talked to the scouts. He's going to sign probably the Cubs. Don't know three days. But he's never lost. I said, yeah, but listen, today he's going to. Because I have a plan. And I'm going to tell you something about my Smurfs now. When you told them you got a plan, their little Smurfy ears raised up. Coach got a plan. What's the plan? Now, they could have been just obedient to the plan, but they also had to be willing. Are you with me? Now, God has a plan, and there are a lot of Christians that are obedient, but how willing are they? Are y'all getting this or not? Obedient and willing. And the Bible says the obedient and willing eat the good of the land. They eat the good of the land. And so I said, guys, how much he, how hard he throws today, he's going to throw the hardest he's ever thrown ever, and how hard he throws is going to determine how many millions he makes. And I, I, I said, you guys know that when you overthrow and you try to throw too hard and you lose a little control because you don't follow through. I said, that's what he's going to do. And when that happens, you tend to leave the ball high. I said, the ball will come in high. What he's going to do today is he's going to throw the ball hard. He's going to light up those radar guns. I'm smiling. They still didn't get it. Kind of like you don't get it right now. But he's going to throw it high. I said, he's going to throw the ball high. Are y'all not getting this? He's going to throw the ball high. I said, we're short. They're all like, yeah. They start high-fiving each other. We're short. They're all down here, you know. And I said, so here's the plan. What's the plan? Besides being short, we already got that one. Check. They said, I said, we're not going to swing until you get two strikes. And we were very aggressive at the plate. You're not going to swing until you get two strikes, but you're not going to get two strikes. He's going to walk you. And then after a little bit, his coach is going to get so mad at him, he's going to call timeout, come out there and say, get the ball down. It's embarrassing. And when he does, he's going to have to take some velocity off. And when he takes the velocity off and follows through, we'll be able to hit that. I'll give you the green light. We'll swing away. And we're going to have the great. You're going to tell your grand Smurfs one day. <laughs> There's going to be little baby Smurfs that hear this story. And I mean, our guys got so excited. They couldn't wait to get out there. It's like we had this secret. We're going to be the first ones who beat. We're going to beat this guy. We got a plan. Everybody say plan. plan. And so... We get out there, and I mean, we're excited. Normally, teams that played him, they were walking out like we're beat, you know. <laughs> no, we don't even need to warm up. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like that. But not us. Woo! We were loud. I mean loud. And we were batting first. And my shortstop was a leadoff hitter, who was literally a short stop. <laughs> he was the shortest of the Smurfs. And he gets up there, calls timeout, puts his back foot in there and looks down at me because we got a plan. He gets his helmet, acknowledges me, and, and I says, okay, you know what to do. All right. And he smiles. And then he gets in there, 
And when he gets in there, and I didn't tell him to do this, he even goes, hmm. <laughs> God, is that the plan? You want me to do my... Uh, so he squats down. He's already short. So the catcher's like this. So that picture, you could hear, this is back in the days when the radar guns, you could hear them when they turned on. They got new, better ones now. They had their their batteries with them. Yeah, I like the microphone. And this dude knows dollar sign. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. He don't even see the guy up the plate. And he rears back. And he throws that. Nobody saw it. And the umpire goes, ball, high. We were so glad he said high. (laughs) When he said high, ball one. Ball one. Everybody say ball one. one. Our whole dugout erupted like it was a home run. (laughs) We were really close to pouring Gatorade. (laughs) We're like, whoa. Chest bump, and he looks in there, and the fans looked at the scouts looked in there. We got a whole lot of game to play, and we're excited on ball one. But we had a plan. Everybody say plan. And that plan was coming to pass. And so, one of our players, and I don't like my players talking trash, you know, but this one said something. And I, you know, I kind of went like this. Hey! He goes, he steps out of the dugout, looks at him, goes, hey! He got his attention. Throw it harder! (laughs) He goes, I will. (laughs) Well, guess what? It's going to go higher. (laughs) He walked one, two, three, four, five, six. There's two of us in, no outs, bases loaded. We're up two to nothing, still first inning. Coach calls timeout. They're coach. Get the ball down. (laughs) Exactly like I said. That's what Coach Brim said. Man, they when I mean they believed when Coach Brim said so. And so I gave him the green light. Next one hits a double in the in the gap, and we cleared the base. We went on to beat him fifteen to nothing. And he had never been beat. The rest of his career in high school, that he never lost. Went in and had this major, great career in the pros and he lost a few in the pros but and maybe one day i think he's on the hall of fame ballot world series champion all-star but there was a day that he didn't want to play the smurfs (laughs) now why am i telling you all this because there's an inner smurf inside of you in each of you and i'm not talking about a little blue thing i'm talking about there's potential inside there Are you with me? There's great potential in you, in every one of you. I know, but I've blown it. I know, but I've wasted too much time. No, 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 no. You have an opportunity right now, and God has a plan for you. And today, he's going to reveal that plan. And now, we got to be what? Not only obedient, but 
but willing to. There was a minister friend of mine who um, was on daily television, and God told him to be on daily television. And but he didn't like it. Not that he didn't like doing what God told him. He was obedient, but he wasn't willing. And man, when I was on his shows, uh, you could tell he didn't like it. When the camera come on, then the anointing would hit and the teaching would be good. And he, was, he liked what it did, but he just didn't like how much time it took and, you know, like meetings or some, some people don't, you know, all that stuff. And, and you could just tell. And the Lord said, the Lord said this to him, I've gone as far as I can go with you. Now, how would you like to hear that? And I'm wondering if there's people in here tonight that God is saying, I've gone as far as I can go. There's more to the plan, but I can't go any further. And he goes, God, I don't want to hear that. And he said, why would you tell me that? He said, because you've been obedient, but you hadn't been willing. Are y'all getting this or not? You've been obedient to do it, but you haven't been willing. Now, he didn't know the rest of the plan. So he repents, and God, I know what to do. He got in front of the mirror, and he looked at the mirror, and he goes, I love daily television. Now, he didn't care what he looked like. He didn't care how good his teeth. He didn't care. He knew that if you begin to speak it, come on, you begin to believe it, then you'll have it. So he began to speak it. He'd come in there. I want everybody to know I love daily television. Okay. (laughs) Weeks go by, and then all of a sudden, what was happening? He said, all of a sudden, something started changing in me because I began to say it. I just didn't think it. The Bible doesn't say you have whatsoever you think it. What does it say? You have so whatsoever you say it. So we need to speak it. And he did, and he said, all of a sudden, I came in that studio. We were there that day. He loved it. He couldn't wait. He goes, I've been out of town. I couldn't wait to do this session these two weeks. Man, he got on. T- Man, he got on. T- oh, you could tell that it had changed. And then God spoke to him again and said, now I can go further. And guess what it was? God had gotten him a whole channel on Dish Network 24-7. Pays for the whole thing. God now has got him on DirecTV 24-7, and he's reaching millions all over the world with the plan. He just needed that smurf to come out of him. Now, has God gone as far as he can go with you? Because there's more. Does any, come on. Come on. There's more. But has he gone as far as he can? Are you limiting God? Because there's more. And he, when he's saying it, people, and it's not like he's, it's not like he's like, there's more. How dare you? No, he's like, there's more. There's more. Let's go. Let's go. But we've been waiting. We haven't been, we've been obedient to go to church. We've been obedient to be nice people. We've been obedient to be kind, good Christian people. 
there's more. Amen? How many know there's an inner smurf inside you now? It's getting ready to come out. Getting ready to come out. But that's a good thing. Why? Because God is a planner. And he's got a plan for you. And no matter how bad you think you are, or it's been, or what you don't have, I'm going to show you tonight that God will make it even better than it could even begin in the beginning. Amen. All right. Are y'all ready to go on? Come on, show me some excitement. Are you ready to go on? Come on, Smurfs. I want to hear you. Glory to God. Oh, what a planner. Oh, what a plan. Has anybody ever heard mom say that? All her books, she ends every chapter. Oh, what a planner. Oh, what a plan. So God has a plan for you. Now, let's look. He knows what he's doing. Let's look at Jeremiah 29, 11 in the message. Look at this. If you don't have the message, look up with me. I want your eyes to see this. This is God speaking. Um, 29, 11 message. All right, let's go down to one, two, three, four. Fourth line, I know. See it right here, I know? I know what I'm doing. Hello? Isn't this cool? God's God speaking. Hello? Hello? I know what I'm doing. McFly, I know what I'm doing. Okay. Movie reference, sorry about that. I know what I'm doing. I have it what? Not he's got files and angels and what are we going to do now? How do we change the plan now? Oh, no, we go. No, 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 no. All planned out. All right. I've got it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Say, thank you, Lord. Isn't that good news? Plans to give you the future you hope for. I know, but I've already blown it and I've waited. Don't do that. That's just low-level devil's little feelings of inadequacy that'll try to stop God's plan. They try to come on Moses. They tried to come on uh, Jonah. They tried to come on a whole but Don't do that. God, don't, don't let God, I've gone as far as I can go. No, there's more. I'm telling you, that is from God what he's told your pastor. There's more. And I've already planned it out. But I need you to get willing here. Not just obedient. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Click. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, what will he do? He'll listen. When you come looking for me, guess what? You'll find him. Yes, when you get what? Ah, Smurfies is what I like to say. When you, get, when you get serious about this, about finding me, and you want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. I, that's my decree, and I'll turn things around for you. He's talking to Israel at that time. But that's the same God we serve today. Woo! And that was his covenant people he was talking to then, and his desires to bless his covenant people have not changed. There's more. Somebody say there's more. more. Oh, there's more. There's so much more. I'll turn. I'll turn things around. I know. You're trying to talk God into saying he can. I know, but I've wasted it. And if I would have went down that road, I would have. I can make it better. I'll make it better. Put it in the past. I'll make it better. Yeah, God, I know. that's, That's nice of you, but, you know. But 
Now, we tell our youth this. You can take that down. God has the plan. Y'all agreed on it a while ago. He already has the plan planned out. He said he had it planned out. And we tell our youth, and I have been in motivational... I used to speak at places... I spoke one time, Nike was speaking, uh, a representative from Nike. And they tell our youth on commercials and stuff, now watch, you're going you're gonna to hear this and go, Chip, how do you not believe that? Now just stay with me. And we tell our youth, you can do whatever you want to do. And you can be whoever you want to be. But I'm going to tell you right now, that's a lie from the devil. You can if that's what you want to choose to be. But what I'm trying to tell you is God already has a plan. Now, here's how the Lord told me to say it. Our job is not to decide the plan. Our job is to discover the plan. Oh, come on. Come on. There we go. I got a hand. Yeah, thank you, sir. Our job is not to decide the plan. Our job is to discover the plan. Are y'all getting this or not? How do we do that? Well, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things, that's part of it. That's the plan. That's the more. And all these things will be added unto you. Seeking God. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Rewards is part of the plan. And the more. Seeking God. Ask. Knock. I'll answer. Pray. I'll listen. I know what I'm doing. I've got it all planned. But don't get to a point where God's gone as far as he can go with you. Are y'all getting this or not? I need your heads to do something. Okay, good. All right. Now, now remember this. Not to decide it, but to discover it. God already has a plan for you. Mom was writing a book. I don't know if it's ever come out yet. And she interviewed everybody who had went to heaven. Everybody that you probably know and have seen movies about. We interviewed them. And they all said, not all, most of them said they saw a book. Right now your mind is probably thinking, the book of life. Who's going to heaven? No, they said that book was there. And when you read Revelations, it talks about many books in heaven. There's not just one. But they all, a lot of them came back and said... There's a book that's on a pedestal, and it's near the throne of God. Many have seen, many different experiences of people going to heaven have seen this and tell exactly word for word the same description. And then, well, I ain't going to preach this to you if it's not in the scriptures. I found it in the scriptures. And this book is there. And in that book is everybody's name. Not, not, I'm talking everybody's name. It was put in there before the creation of the world. He showed it to Adam before. I'm going to show you this here in a second. And he put in there everybody's predestiny. Their destinies, their plans that God had for them in their lives are in that book. And that's what the enemy is trying to stop. If he can get you to stop. Because if that destiny comes forth, here come the Smurfs. Here comes the championships. Here come the trophies. Here come the accolades. Here comes the glorious church. (laughs) Amen. Anybody getting excited? Everybody say, that's me. That's you. You're on the team. 
You're on the body of Christ. The anointed team. And there is a predestined plan already planned out. Where is it in the scripture? Psalm 139, 16. Here is talking about that book. 139, 16. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Okay, well, maybe that doesn't tell you, well, that's destiny, whatever. But when you're Billy Brim's boy, you get books for Christmas, period. I don't care if you're five years old, you really wanted the skateboard or the bike. She wraps them like books, and they're books from Israel. They're books from rabbis study out of. And when you're a little kid, you're like, oh, it's a book, isn't it? But when you get older, you're like, where are the books? She gave us these books, and it's the Art Scrolls is the company that makes these books. And when you read it, you got to go backwards because Hebrew, they go, well, backwards compared to us. And on the right side is all Hebrew. And on the left side are the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures in English. And then below that on the left side. Now watch this. Are you all ready? Commentary. From rabbis, from when the scriptures were written. Are, you, are y'all understanding what I'm talking about? When the scriptures were written thousands of years ago and penned by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, then the rabbis at that time would comment on what it meant and what they were saying. Well, I happen to have in one of my books, Psalm. So I rush to Psalm 139.16. I want to know what this is about. If anybody can give me insight, it's them. So I wrote it on these two pages, what the commentary was thousands of years ago when this scripture was written. Are you all ready for this? Aren't you glad you came tonight? Yeah. Everybody say, I'm well on my way, well on my way. To, becoming to becoming who I already am. Praise God. The rabbi says this, to God all is apparent and it, it is it, everything is written in a finished book. He said, as stated in Genesis 5.1, this is what they said, this is the account of the descendants of Adam. While Adam was still an unshaped form, remember it says unshaped form, the creator showed him all the generations and his descendants. He showed him every generation and its leaders God showed Adam, even before he was formed, every generation and its scholars and its preachers. He showed him me. He showed him Kent. He showed him you. In addition, God revealed to Adam the number of their years, their days, and their hours. Ooh, what a plan. He even counted out before Adam the number of steps every man is destined to take. Destined to take. He showed Adam your steps and your calling and your part and your plan, and it's still written in that book. Isn't that exciting? Your name. Really? Yes. Your name. Still there. 
I know, but I blew it. Oh, wait a minute. He goes on to say this. Your destiny is written in a book written by God. The Almighty, the architect of creation, wrote this book. It's the blueprint which records the divine master plan of all mankind. For God is omniscient. He foresees and knows everything about man, yet man himself has no inkling of his own future, which remains a wonder and a mystery to them. But even more wondrous is the divine paradox. Everything is foreseen by God, yet man has the freedom of choice. Woo! See, well then, why ain't it coming? Because he gave you a will. And he'll never overimpose on that will. He'll never impose on your will. He won't do it. He created man and said, choose. Choose life. Choose blessing. Where you're at right now are results of choices that you've made. Not because God did something or took something away. I'm telling you right now, choose. God has the plan. He knows what he's doing. He's got it all planned out. Amen. Now, it is man, the sinner, who brings darkness and gloom into his life, but God endowed man with the power of repentance, which will rekindle the light and get him back on track. And I'm reading that, and God said to me, I gave you the power to repent. And he said to me, you don't have to repent. I'm still a covenant God. You get to repent. Oh, come on, somebody. You get to repent. Aren't you thankful? You shouldn't be sad. Listen, Rick Renner told me, Greek scholar, repentance, If study this out. You can't go any higher than a Greek scholar. Repentance has no, their family of words in the Greek and the Hebrew, has no tie or word in it that has anything to do with emotion. No emotion is involved in repentance. But yet people, so if there's any emotion that you put in repentance, that's your choice, okay? But it is a legal term. It is very court of the law legal term. So that accuser, that adversary, who comes morning and night, and he's trying to, and he's showing God, and he's coming wherever this courtroom of heaven is, trying to stop you. Look what they've done. Look what they're not doing. Look how they did here. Look what they did here. Look at this choice they did here. But when you repent, you put a gag order on him. You stop him right in his tracks. And everything is clean slate. Amen. You don't have to repent. You get to. And you know how the Lord showed me this? He said, I was, when, when I travel, I've traveled. Well, I'm in Oakton, Missouri. I travel all over the world. And usually when I get, <clears throat> now your phones can do it. But for the longest time when I get a rental car at the airport, make sure I get that GPS. Because in Houston and in Baltimore and in New York and in L.A., there are roads you know what I'm talking about? Exits. Nine of them on the same. Well, which one? And, and then I've been in Kansas, western Kansas. And I tell people this in L.A., and they don't hardly believe me. I said, there was a, there's roads that the GPS does not. It's one line <laughs> for hours. 
And they go, no. Yeah. I said, you can watch your dog run away for three days. (laughs) Yeah, he's still gone. (laughs) How flat? You You guys know what I'm talking about. All you got to do is go just a little bit west. Keep going. But man, I was in Houston this one time. I'm trying to get to my hotel. And I was right in the middle of the heart of this thing. And it would say, exit now. And there's... Exit A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, O, P. And, and, I, and I missed, and I can see, I can see my hotel where I'm supposed to go. <laughs> it took me 45 minutes, and I was right there. And you know what? Every time I missed it, that lady, that lady... <laughs> That lady would come on, and she would just say, recalculating. I don't know what it is now, but recalculating. She didn't get all hissy fit. I'm, and she'd recalculate. Let's try this again. Good thing they don't have, like, um, after four or five misses, she develops an attitude, you know. And, you know. Uh, she's, no, this is enough. Idiot mode now is in progress. I'm shutting down in 10, 9. No! That's probably what it's going to be. But she just kept her cool. Because she knew that if eventually, when I take the right road, I'm going to get there. Finally, I got there. And she goes, you have reached your final destination. Thank God. In my hair. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, don't you think that if a little box could get you, eventually get you in the right direction, that I, God, the creator of this universe, the planner of all plans, can't get you where I have created you to be and destined to be. And I said, God, I'm recalculating. <laughs> Amen. So when you repent, you're recalculating. Say, I'm recalculating. recalculating. Praise God. Do you believe that or not? Now, here's some more good news. Mom shared this with me. She said, she heard me preach this on the radio. She said, Chip, you've got to hear this. I said, what is it? And she goes, it is God's part of the covenant to make sure your plan comes. When you do your part, it's his job to make sure it comes to pass. I go, where's that? So she took me to Psalm 25, 14. Let's look at it in the King James. Now, when you read this, you ain't gonna, it ain't gonna, it ain't gonna knock your socks off, but you gotta study into this thing. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Okay, I can see a little bit. Let's look at the Amplified. The secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have have they who fear, rever, and worship him, and he will show them his covenant and reveal to them its deep inner meaning. Okay. She goes, yeah, but let me read it to you from the Torah, Hebrew. Mom, doctors agree in Hebrew. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him and his covenant, are you ready? Is to make them know, and that's all it says, is to make them know. And I wrote down here, 
Can you read that? Know what? Right? All right. So it says, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and, and it's his covenant to make them know, and I put know what. And so when you back up to verse 4, 8, 10, 12, and 14 previously, he's talking about the word derek or way. Train up your child in the way. That's the Hebrew word derek. That's God's predestined path. So back up, and it's, it talks about uh, 4, 8, 10, 12, and 14, your path, your predestined plan that God has for you. And the Lord said to me, when you do your move, when you do your part, I will always make sure I do my part. And my part is to make it happen. Don't you remember that pastor I told you about in television? His part was to get willing. His part was to, hey, stop that and get get your gladness back. Get your joy back. Get your speaking and your mind right. Let's go with this thing. And then God made sure, and now he's all over the world. He would have never could have believed he could have ever done anything like this. Millions are getting saved under his ministry. Did you hear me? Millions are getting saved under his ministry. And that would have stopped. But that plan was always there. What has stopped in your life? But the plan is still there. Are y'all with me? Come on now. Let's look at the. Let's look at it this way, not that way. We got. We're well on our way right now. Amen. Is anybody getting anything? You want me to continue? Okay. All right. So when you make your move, it's like chess. When you move, here's the rules: you move first, and then God will move. But you move first. He'll never move out of turn. Because there's a will involved. Are y'all with me? But when you choose to move, how do you move? By faith. When you choose to move, I love daily, that's a move. Are y'all getting this? I love it. That's a move. And so it's God's part of the covenant to make sure that you reach your destiny. Isn't that good? In other words, you're not all... You're not on your own. You don't have to worry about how. I've wasted these years. I went down the wrong path. That's not your problem. Your problem is to move. And he said, I've given you a voice. And when, as long as you have a voice, you have a choice. And you can choose to use that voice. To go further and I will help you along. Or you can just stay right there and I've gone as far as I can go with you. Now, and I thought about our voice. You know, in all covenants, the Jews have taught us two things have to happen in every covenant. Blood has to be shed. Words have to be spoken. And I thought about how, oh, our voice, we can praise him more and be more thankful. How many agree with that or not? Listen to what the Lord showed me on this. You ready for this? When you, everybody listen to me now. This is a Facebook thing right here. When you pray, you enter into his presence. But when you praise, he enters into your presence. Oh, let me try that again. When you pray, you enter into his presence. But when you praise, he enters into your presence. You just moved God. 
Where are you getting that? Scripture says God inhabits the praises of his people. Paul and Silas in prison. The plan did not look like this should be the plan. Are you with me? Chained up on the midnight hour. Guilty and they weren't even guilty. Just doing what God had told them to do. But yet they decided to lift up their voice because they still had a choice. They, the world's plan was to kill them. But God had a different plan. And you may be at the midnight hour. And there may be trying, you feel like chains are on you. But I'm here to tell you, if you make your move, and as long as you have a voice, and you quit focusing on what the enemy's done, focusing on what you don't have, focusing on how you blew it, and just repent and worship and praise God, he will come on the scene. And I don't know about you, I need him on the scene. Now, most people think praise and worship is just for Sunday morning. And a bunch of them, you can't even get them to do it then. Unless it's their favorite song. My God, he gave us a voice. I, if I praise him, that means he's on the scene. Well, then I need him Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. I need him at my job. I need him raising my kids. I need him. Praise him. I need him. Praise him. I need him. I had a, a Chinese fella show me what the, the translation in the Chinese Bible of that scripture he inhabits the praises of his people. The Chinese version says, when you praise God, you build a chair for him to come sit in. Who did? You did. Because you chose to make the right move. And when you do that, and you're willing, there's more. Everybody say, there's more. Praise the Lord. And I said, God, give me a scripture. And he did. Because I cannot preach anything that there's not scripture that backs it. He said, Jeremiah 33, 11. Let's look at this. The voice of joy. How about that? Joy has a voice. Well, can't tell by our faces, but joy has a voice. Joy has a voice. You can hear when someone's joyful. You can hear it. You can see it. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness. Not sadness. There's some Christian, they can't wait to tell you how sad it is and what the devil's doing. That is the opposite of what God wants you to do. You are limiting God from letting him do his part of the covenant to help you. And the enemy's having his way with you. No. The voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, and the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord of the host. Now this is God speaking. Now he said them. Everybody say them. He said them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is Oh, we know what that means, don't we? Come on, if you were here the first night. The Lord is good. He's a giver. He's got a G cloud of goodness and grace and gifts and glory. Amen. And it's all for us. He's good and his mercy endureth how long? That means 2018. And of them, everybody say them, 
that shall bring the sacrifice of what? Into the house of the Lord. I, oh, uh, uh, come on now. Now he's going to tell you what he's going to do. Because, now he ain't talking about everybody here. He's talking about them who bring praise. Oh, yeah, they could come and worry and fear. No, Paul said be careful and worry for nothing. Don't let worry and fear come out of your mouth. Don't let negative come out of your mouth. Champions in the world know this. Don't let it. Just praise. You're not praising him for what the devil's doing. You're praising him for what God has got planned already. Just praise him for what he's done. All right? And for them, everybody say them. That shall bring the sacrifice of praise to the house of the Lord. I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first saith the Lord. Uh-oh, now we're going to dig into this a little bit. The New American Standard says, I will restore the fortunes to them, back to them, that was taken. And I will make it, I will make it better than it was in the beginning. Oh, come on, somebody. So I looked up fortunes of the land, and it says, your possessions and your goods. All the possessions and the goods that God had planned for you in the beginning, I will, I still am protecting them, and I still have them for you, because you're still alive, and you're still, are you with me? You still have a choice. Now, no, this one happened, this, no, God's got it even better. You can't figure it out with your natural mind, but he's got it better. Aren't you excited about that? I said, aren't you excited about that? When you give your voice and you're obedient and willing and you choose to be joyful and gladness of heart and praise, then I will restore all your possessions and your goods. Promise from God. Better than it was in the beginning. Somebody say better. As long as you have a voice, you have a choice. Now watch these examples. Jonah, what got him out of the whale? Well, what got him out of the whale was his three-day timeout period. God don't have a timeout period. He had to make a move. Are y'all with me or not? So he's in this whale for three days, and he's going to exit this whale one way or the other. But nobody ever preaches about the other. And that was not God's plan. God's plan was to go to Nineveh and let's save this city. Well, he ah, he wasn't willing, right? Obedient or willing. And he runs. And he gets himself in a stinky situation. And it's getting smellier and smellier as he travels down this way. Can you imagine that's how he went? Can you imagine his son at the funeral? How did your dad die? Fertilize the ocean. Anyway, and there's people in this situation now that love God. And they're in this whale or in this mess. And that wasn't God's plan. But he's got good news for you. I still have your possessions and your goods. I still got them. Y'all believe it or not? If you don't believe it, forget it. But if you believe it, he still has them. And that's good news. Amen. But he said, for them 
that use their voice for what? Praise and joy and believe in their heart with that potential, that smurf in them, knowing that God can do this. I can't, but God can. Amen. And you change the way you think. And you change the way you speak. Only praise. Only worship. Only joy. Only gladness comes from this voice. Whoo. What about David at Ziglag? Y'all remember that one? He lays down and cries. Well, let's go to it. And we already talked about Paul and Silas. 1 Samuel 30, 1 through 4. We're almost to the end, whoever I answered that for. Somebody in the spirit, I heard that. I uh, we're going to go 1 through 4 here. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites, everybody say the Amalekites. Now I'm going to help you out with this. Had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire. Now, keep it right here. Amalekites, say it again. The Amalekites, listen, were opportunists. Every scholar knows this. They attacked when you were most vulnerable when they were out to war. They had a terrible reputation. And the reputation was when they would attack, they would rape the women. Every woman there would get raped. The Amalekites, listen to me, did this every time. Everybody say every time. They would rape the women, kill them, kill the children, burn the town down. Never in the history of the Amalekites during that time recorded have they never done that. Never not done that. They never took captives. All right? Never. And so David comes, right? And he lays down and he cries until he has no more tears. Watch this. And so the Amalekites had taken, click, the women, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's never happened. They always raped them and killed them. Never in the history has that been done. And you're going to kind of see the writer try to get this across to you, but we don't know this, that were therein and they slew not any. In other words, if he wrote it today and they didn't even kill, can you believe it? The Amalekites didn't even, that's what this writer's trying to get across. And they didn't kill any, either great or small, but carried them away. Can you, the Amalekites, I know, I know, I know you don't believe, I know. This is the writer I'm trying to get across to you. And they went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters were what? Then David and the people that were with him, what did they do with their voice? Come on. They lifted up their, they still had a choice. And there are Christians who are doing this with their voice right now. And they're bitter against God. And how come, God, you're not moving for me? But God is a covenant God. He's a legal God. He's a just judge. He will not do things illegally. And I'm thankful that he is just. And I'm thankful that he is legal. And his part of the covenant, you have a part of the covenant. And you have a will. And he told you to choose. And he gave you a voice. And now use that and let's go, Smurfs. That's what he's saying. He's not getting on you. He's going, let's get this thing started. 
Amen. And David, of all people, had David ever seen God move? Hello? He's the rock star of that time. And the people that were with David lifted up their voice, wept until they what? Had no more. They cried. Now, there's, come on, we've been there, haven't we? And he's, now when you study that out, he's not just crying like snot. He's, he's crying out, God, how come this happened? How come you let this happen? How come this, this is your plan? God, how, I mean, he's, blank. come on, this is David who went from a shepherd to the Israel's greatest king. And his voice changes. And the Lord said to me, did you ever notice that during his weeping and his distress, I couldn't move, I didn't move. Because David still had a choice. Now, remember what he said in Jeremiah? But those who praise me, I'll make sure, David, you'll get it all back. Is anybody getting excited with me? I'm, man, I need to buy this tape myself. I'm preaching myself happy. So let's go to verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. And the people spake of stone. It's getting worse. Oh, my goodness. Now it's now. And, and those rocks, when they stoned them back then, guys, they weren't one. They were, they were, they were two-handed, and one stone would crush your skull. And now all of his men who he trained and loved, his family, I mean, that nobody believed him, but he did, and he trained them. They're all going to, they're turned against him. And because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, then cynical. But David, David changed. What did he do? Oh, my goodness. Study that out. That word encouraged to strengthen. David was a rejoicer. David got up, and this is what David did. He said, this is not working. As a matter of fact, I'm going to die if I continue doing this. And I have done something, pretty much this is what he's saying, that God's attention and God's not moved. I am going to have to do. So he gets up and encourages. And stri- How do you encourage yourself when nobody else is there for you? When you don't have a cell phone to call somebody and get the prayers on it. How do you encourage yourself? You have to remember of what God has done for you. And he goes, I remember the bear. I remember the lion. You took, I remember the giant. You took me from a shepherd and made me king. God! Oh, now he's getting excited. And now he's rejoicing and worshiping and strengthening himself. And then all of a sudden, he gets to the point, Abathar the priest, get the Aphod. We're going into the Holy of Holy. Now the whole time, how come he didn't hear that while he's down there crying? Couldn't hear that distress and that worry. But God is moving. God is moving in him. Get Abathar, get the Ephod. Come into the Holy of Holies. I got a, I got a plan. I got a plan. Do you think David would like to come up right here and talk about and, and agree with what I'm preaching to you tonight? Yeah. Oh, if David was here, y'all would be, yeah. <laughs> David would be up here. He's got a plan for each and every one of you. 
And I about missed it. I about missed it. But thank God I made the right move. Because there's more. Somebody say there's more. more. Was there more for David? Now in his mind as he's crying, think of the Amalekites. What is he thinking? His wives, he had two. His wives are raped and murdered. And all of his men's children and wives are killed. How God could you have this happen? But was it as bad as David thought it was? Have y'all read this story? For some godly divine reason, which we all know, the Amalekites could not touch the women and the children. Why? God still had possession. Oh, you're not hearing me. You're not making it personal. God still has your possession. Come on now. Y'all seeing this? No, your little mind's trying. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. That mind don't know. God knows. He's omniscient. He knows all. He knows the future better than you know the past. And is it as bad as you think it is? No. And it's better. So he encourages himself in the Lord. David was a spinner. He told his wife, you had not seen nothing yet. Clothes are optional. (laughs) Not for you guys. So what happens now? He goes in there, and let's go to, um, let's just skip through here. Go to verse 18, 19, and 20. And David recovered all. Somebody say all. All All that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his wives, and there was nothing. Somebody say nothing. nothing. Lacking to them. Neither small nor great. My earring. Yes. Everything. Neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all, and David took all the flocks and the herds, which they had drove before other cattle, and said, this is David's spoil. What does spoil mean? Well, they didn't have banking systems back then. So what... The Amalekites went and overtook and got, and the Amalekites went and overtook and got, and they got all of that. They were made so wealthy. They got their wives and their children back, and they even got more. Somebody say more. More. Are y'all trying to hear what God has got to say? He's saying it through your pastor. And then he sends somebody else to confirm it. I've got more. No, I've wasted. Oh, don't let that come out of you. There's no way he can do He can make it better. He'll make it better. I will bring all your possessions and your goods back to you if you only believe. Amen? Amen. Isn't that good news? But you have a choice. Say, I have a choice. But if David would have used his voice and continued in weeping and sadness, laid on his bed, locked that door, cried and was bitter, still go to church, then go home and just be bitter and use that voice and be bitter and just be bitter against government and be bitter against politics and be bitter instead of lifting them up and praying for them because the Bible says pray for them. What are you using your voice for? To go down to the coffee shop and just be bitter and so those other people can't see the power of God in you? No, your voice is to praise and worship God 
and to do what that word and that plan says to do. We are a peculiar people. We are a different people. We're a people of power and of might. Amen. And God is willing and waiting to show off through his people. And it's called the glorious church. And that is the same thing as the champion church. Now drop down and give me 20. Don't make me come back there. Man, you got so much potential. Everybody say potential. The Lord showed me a vision. The only vision that I've ever had. And he showed me a football field. And we're at the football field where I played high school. And all of a sudden, there I am. And I played receiver in high school. And we break out of the huddle. We're in the air. And I'm like, this is cool. I could smell the popcorn. I could hear the bands. And I'm watching the quarterback go back. And I'm watching me run this route. And my defender, he slips and falls. And I go and, I ca- and, I, and, I, and I'm watching this. And the quarterback sees me, throws it. And I catch it and I receive it. And, 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 and the crowd goes, ah. And, and I'm like, go, go, go. The me up watching this, right? I'm like there with the Lord. And instead of running or going, I just stood there and didn't do anything. And I just laid down. And I said, God, I would never do that. You must have got Kent's film. This is not me. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't know him at the time. But anyway, and so I, and what got me even more upset, I'm watching this and I come back to the huddle and the quarterback grabs me and says, what are you doing? And I go, get off of me. I did my job. I received the pass. He said, no, you've got extra responsibility. You should be a receiver. That's what ER means on the end of that word, extra responsibility. Run down that field. All of a sudden, that quarterback's preaching. Run your race. Fight the good fight of faith. Get down the field. Score. And, all the, you know, and I'm sitting there, oh, And I'm thinking, my God, we have responsibilities in this thing. We need to get up, not lay down, get up. And he says, when you pray, that's where you are on this field of faith. You may be months away or weeks away, or you might get it right then. It's depending on your faith, according to your faith. So you can speed up, and the end zone is your manifestation, your healing, whatever it is, your destiny. And then the Lord says, come with me. And so we went, and we went to the other end of the field, and we, he goes, look. And I looked down, and as I, we were right at the goal line, and no longer are they're football players, they're people like you and me. They're moms and dads and pastors and aunts and grandmas and grandpas and missionaries. And they're all laying down, listen to me, at the one-yard line. One yard away. <laughs> from what God had for them. And I said, God, why don't they just get up and get over? And he said, it got too tough. It got too tough. And I said, but don't they know where they're at? And he said, they don't know where they're at. For if they knew where they were at, they would get up. Amen? If you knew that I still have a plan, and I can make it better, and will, out of that mess. But those who lift up their voice to praise and rejoice, there's power. The rabbis taught me about rejoicing. They said the first part of rejoicing is to brighten up. 
No matter how or what you've heard, no matter what the lawyer said, it can't happen. No matter what the doctor says, it can't be done. Brighten up. Because you know something the devil does. And don't give the devil a sign. He can't read your mind. He's not like God. Don't give him a sign. Everybody brighten up. The next thing they said, if you want to know how David and Paul and Silas did, they said the next thing they do, they jump up. And I said, why jump up? Because he said, fear will try to lay you down. The enemy will try to get you into depression and get you on your bed. And that's what David did. He laid down and cried until he had no more tears. And that's what depression comes on people. And they can't think right. But there's more. Somebody say there's more. God is up there going, there's more. There's more. Get up. Get up. Do your part. I'll do mine. Get up. Keep swimming. You can't see it. Big deal. Who cares? I know, but I got to figure. Who cares? Don't try to figure it out. You can't. God's got it better. Amen? But we got a part to play. The third thing was he would spin around. And I said, why spin around? You don't have to. I'm just asking them how it was in the Hebrew and the root words. And they said, because it meant it's a whole new day. It's a whole new day. Amen? Everybody believe, does anybody in here believe it's a whole new day? Did you get something today that can change your life? And God is telling you, he still has it. He wouldn't let those Amalekites touch those women or those children or anything. And he's not going to let the devil take anything that you have been stolen from. He still has your possessions and he's even got spoils to go along with. It's called the G Cloud. Isn't he good? Isn't he good? And he's just. And he's legal. And we're going to get legal. Amen. And we're going to repent. And we're going to rejoice. And we're going to use our voice for what it was tended to. Everybody lift up your hands. Lord, all of our hands are raised. We receive your word tonight. And we thank you for it. We don't expect it to fall on us. We pull it. And now, as we take our next breath and our next step, that inner smurf that you put in us is going to activate. And we are not only going to be obedient Christians, but we're going to be willing Christians. And we're going to take this word tonight, and we're going to receive it. And I plead the blood over it, and it will not go void. It's in you, and it will stay with you the rest of your life. You will know the Smurfs and remember the Smurfs. You'll remember these scriptures because the Holy Spirit will bring it to your remembrance. You'll remember David. You'll remember Paul and Silas. You'll remember the Amalekites and how they couldn't touch them because a force field was around them. You'll remember these things. And you'll remember how God is good and His mercy endureth forever. Lord, I thank you for these people and the word tonight and that we will never ever be the same. In Jesus' name. Do you agree with that? Amen. Amen. Pastor, come on up. Praise the Lord.